Hey there, folks. What do you know? We are back once again. It is the Uticast episode 173. And this week, we sit down with a guy we probably should have had on a long time ago. If you've been to any Maiden Utica event, you've seen him. We are talking to Rick Mayshag of Rick's Roaming Barbecue. We had an excellent, very long interview, very wide-ranging, a lot of good discussion there. Also this week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jamal Khashoggi uh, and the Saudi Arabian uh reporter and it's quite a story we'll dig into that as well we'll talk about some petty crime maybe we'll talk about kanye west uh history lessons seth myers we're going to talk about emotional support animals talk about lee merkel laying the smackdown on the buffalo bills all sorts of stuff uh maybe we'll talk about how we got chirped at twitter maybe i don't know we'll see if we get there at the end anyway folks uh thanks for joining us once again episode 173 as always we are so happy to have you here thanks for listening survived we're back Good. we're back folks <clears throat> welcome once again it's the Uticast episode 173 uh this week uh we are talking with rick mayshag he told me that's the correct pronunciation because i, I screwed it up a bunch of times it. it's rick mayshag of rick's roaming barbecue awesome. had a great conversation went over an hour talking about all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff great conversation does excellent work for all of uh, our Made Utica events. He's killing it out there in the food truck game. Yum, yum. He's a renaissance man. Does a lot of work all over the place. Video stuff, music stuff. Man can do it all. Good conversation. Uh, he may or may not be in the other room listening to me while I put him over. So that maybe that's part of it, too. Uh, no, great talking to Rick. Uh, joined, as always, Kevin Sullivan. Yes. Very good. Excellent. Yes, I'm here. Excellent. I'm here. I've made it back. Um, what a weekend. What a wild weekend, a weekend for everybody. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, tough week last week. I know we went out on last week's episode talking about our Yankees, who mm. we miss. If we didn't own up and oh. face the truth at the beginning of this week's episode, that's all we really need to say about it. Yeah. Other than Aaron Boone should be fired. He should definitely be fired. Bring back Girardi or Tory, whatever. It's all fine. Whoever. Almost yeah. anybody. Anybody. Yeah, it's fine. Mm. Uh, but we'll we'll survive. And uh, Yeah, I'm here, though. Yeah. Good. I'm glad yeah, you're yeah. here. And speaking of surviving, Heather, you're back yeah, after your know. abrupt exit. Last I have week. no idea what happened. I think I ate something bad. I just did had, you get food poisoning? I don't know. I just went home and I got sick. And just I was had fine. to go. Just had to go. Just had to go. I was like, I was trying to get through it, and I just said, I'm um, done. "You got stuff going on digestively. Sometimes you just gotta go." <laughs> That's all anybody ever needs to say. Yeah, yeah I've got something going on with my go. stomach. I've gotta go. I gotta go. No more questions. That's enough. I'm done. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're Thanks. okay. Uh, we saw each other. All of us were together again this weekend yes. at the, it was the, I keep calling it the Fall Fest. That wasn't the name yeah, of it. Yeah, you do. It, it's, I know, but it was like a Fall Fest. I get it. Fall. It was a Fall That wasn't the actual full name of yes. it though, right? It was the Falling for. Are you fall, waiting for someone to say it for you? Yeah, please someone <laughs> say it for Falling for Utica. Falling for Utica. There we go. Because I didn't know. Uh, but we had a great turnout. Uh, I was a little bit late, so I missed the puppet show, but I heard it was excellent. It was awesome. It was awesome. Was what I was awesome, told. awesome, awesome. Uh, I feel like it always seems like we're getting toward the end of these events, and there's just more and more coming. I love it. Well, the cool part, too, is the weather has worked out in our favor for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, how lucky. The day before it poured, today it poured. Yeah. Yesterday was beautiful. No joke. You say awesome that. Weather. Saturday and Monday were both terrible, but Sunday was a yeah. perfect, perfect crisp yeah. fall day. You couldn't ask for anything better out there, and 
you know, it went to show by all the people that came out, that continued yeah. to come out for all these mm-hmm. events. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yes, it was a great time. Uh, I was glad we, we were out there for it. Rumors abound of snow in the forecast for tonight, Woo-hoo. which I can't totally, I guess I believe it, but I'm like, I'm not happy about it. Probably going to, in higher elevations, it won't snow here. We won't <laughs> It won't stick. Yeah. Might get a little dusting, but it won't stick, I bet. Are you into it? Are you ready for snow if we got some real snow tonight? Would I'd you... like some more fall. Yeah. I'm ready for snow. A little bit. I already took my skis out. Give me another, give me another like four weeks, maybe. Um so yeah, we uh I'm kinda ready for snow. I'm just not ready to shovel. Like I'm romantically ready for yeah, it to be winter time. Nobody wants to shovel. No, nobody likes to shovel. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh, we went very long on this week's interview this week. Um, and I'd like to try and stop having our shows go to like almost two hours long. It's a lot of it's a lot for you folks to listen to. Unless you guys like the two hour shows. Hit us out on, on Twitter uh, if you prefer the longer shows. But I'd like to try and keep them under an hour and a half yeah. if I could. I don't know. People just like talking to you. I don't know if that's necessarily... You guys don't seem to like talking to me very much. We're almost done, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Hey, uh, before we get into the short amount of news I wanted to get into this week, do you guys want to talk about some crime? I like crime. Crime's going on. Uh, yo, for the gentleman who tried to steal a picnic table from Handshake City, nice try, but you failed, bro. Don't be trying to steal stuff from us. The funny thing is, I don't understand who would want those. Those things are so heavy. Like the heaviest picnic table. And they're old. They're old. Old picnic tables. I don't understand. Who's stealing old picnic tables? I guess if you're desperate for a picnic table. Yes, they must be. So we uh, we posted a lot of it on Twitter. So if you saw us on there and you want to help us out, be like junior detectives, we appreciate that. Uh, And then also, I've seen a lot of people talking about the vandalized uh, signs for Claudia Tinney and Anthony Brindisi that are out all this week. Is this a story that we should care about, or is this just par for the course? I mean, it happens every time. Yeah. Yeah. Every every two years. But nobody should be doing it. Every election either. cycle. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, I made a tweet. I, I did tweet about it today, and I think I misspelled my tweet, but it's definitely, like, I, I would be lying if I haven't said in the past, like, I've driven by a sign for someone I wouldn't support, and I'm like, wish I could, like, like I drive through that sign. Yeah. But you don't. Because it's uncivilized, <laughs> and it's not the uh, the social contract that we've agreed to uh, as human beings. We're living in a society. We're living in a society, and societies are all about like living together and working Gotta together. Gotta buy in. Gotta buy into the the rules that we've established. Without rules, chaos. That's what they say. All right, so you guys ready to get into the news this week? It's they're kind of a mixed batch of news it's this kind week. Of crummy news this week. It has been a crummy, crummy news. news every week. Yeah, really. crummy news every week. It's true. Uh, it's, it is true. It's crummy news every you week. You can recycle that little thirty second blur, but I will get in. It's a mixed bag. A lot of bad news. A lot of bad stories this week. Every Trump week. said something stupid. The president's done something <laughs> foolish. I just uh, I want to talk about this story, and Heather. I know you said you haven't followed too much of this story, uh, so I just want to talk about it for anyone who hasn't seen all the articles about the Saudi journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi's mysterious disappearance. Uh, it was last week. Fifty-nine-year-old veteran journalist was last seen on October second, walking into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. He was there to obtain a document verifying his divorce, uh, but he never uh, left the embassy. Uh, Turkish officials have said that they have concrete evidence that uh, Kashigi never left the building and was murdered there. Some have even put forth gruesome theories. Yeah. Uh, the Saudi government, however, has said nothing uh, has said nothing to do with his disappearance and maintains that he left through the back entrance, though it has provided no evidence to support that. Uh, 
There's a lot of like political implications here. Uh, relationships between Saudi Arabia and Turkey have quickly soured. Um, I'm actually glad that this story has been getting so much like uh, coverage, more coverage than I expected it to get. Uh, again, Kashiki was a he was living in America. He was uh, he was writing for the Washington Post, and he had been here for over a year under concerns that he thought people in Saudi Arabia were coming after him. So he'd had this concern that people were after him for over a year, and he was living here. Uh, I hope this story continues to get press over the next few weeks, and I hope more comes out about it. Uh, I saw a really interesting quote today that said there's only a few types of people who run toward a disaster and opposed them away from it, and it's like policemen, fire, uh, fire people, uh, and like reporters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's important that we sort of treat them like treat them, them. Yeah, we, we yeah, treat yeah. them as what they are. This this should be a big story, and I'm glad that it's stayed in the news. Um, Kevin, you have any extra thoughts about this on top of it? I know we've talked about the WWE connection. It's super weird that they have this Saudi Arabian show and they haven't decided whether they're going to cancel it or not. But well, they pretty. I mean, they pretty much said unless they're directly told by the State Department or the president not to go, they're going to continue to go. Hmm. Um, it's a terrible look, but I mean, it's not surprised. You know, the the Saudi government has been doing a lot of awful things for a really long time. You know what I mean? These are the people that were successfully sued in court for perpetrating, harboring, aiding, and abetting in 9-11. Like, that's the Saudis, too. But uh, Mm. we've got a lot of arms deals with them. We sell them, you know, billions and billions, up to almost trillions of dollars worth of uh, weapons and guns and different, you know, war weapons, things like that. And uh, that's that's a very real thing, and it makes, you know, this is just something that makes an already very dicey situation continually more and more uh, unstable and volatile. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Raises a lot of questions, too, about uh, the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salam, who's in the process of this 2030 movement in Saudi Arabia trying to, like, change the the mentality of what people think. They want to move away from, like, oil and move into tech, yeah. and they want to, like, mm. let women drive. But I, I don't, I don't know. This No, it's PR. Please. It's PR, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on this, but for folks who haven't heard of this story, I just wanted to bring it out there. And again, I, I hope we continue to hear more about this story in the oncoming weeks to come. Let's, oh, God. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about first, American cheese or Kanye West? Oh, jeez. Cheese, cheese, my God. Cheese, cheese. oh, my God. My, my God, cheese. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about American cheese. This is a story that popped up this week, and I can't pass up a story about cheese. Uh, according to Bloomberg, uh, reports from Bloomberg are saying that American cheese, as we know it, is dead. Uh, one by one, American food outlets are... A slice of American cheese in the fridge. Liars. <laughs> It's true. What American cheese are they talking about, though? Well, they're basically saying American like wrapped food, singles. Wrapped American singles, like Kraft singles. I don't singles. buy them anymore. Really? No. Not at all? You don't like them? Because they're, I'm looking for a healthier cheese to eat. Very good. So you're right on par with this story. Yeah. American food outlets are abandoning the, Amer- the century-old American staple, and in many cases, replacing it with fancier cheeses. Yeah. Uh, U.S. sales of processed cheese like Kraft Singles and Velveeta are expected to decline this year for the fourth year in a row. Uh, I hope Velveeta declines. <laughs> look, I'm not saying... I don't know what that is. I'm not saying that. that, like, I am in love with American cheese. No. And, I like, I'm desperately, like, buying American cheese all the time. I don't th- think people are being harsh on American cheese there here. There's certain things that American cheese is good for. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's not healthy. It's terrible for you. I don't care about what's healthy. <laughs> look... Couple things you can do with American cheese you can't do with other cheeses, right? <laughs> Number one, grilled cheese sandwich. You can sit here and talk to me about all your extra fancy cheeses and your Greer <laughs> grilled cheese sandwich with like cheddar. No, two slices American uh, American singles, a little bit of mustard, slap that thing on the grill, bam, bam, 
Good stuff. You can't make a better grilled cheese than American singles. That's not a hot take. That's, That's true, just reality. But was good for everything. And <laughs> American cheese actually has a really interesting melting point. You can use it for a lot. Like if you, it melts quickly. It yeah. melts really it's got a very quick. quick melting point. That's it why it does. steams so quickly. If you do it on a burger or something, mm-hmm. it goes quicker than if you get some block or like you know you get some fancy like Asiago or something. True. Next time you make a, a box of macaroni and cheese, if that's something you do. Uh, bro, I don't know if you do. Maybe you make fancy, do, like, special I do mac, have box mac and cheese. Yeah, well, you're talking trash about singles over Annie's. here. She has tree bark, tree bark and river water. <laughs> if you're making a thing of craft like macaroni and cheese, throw a craft single in as you're mixing it. It will melt in the thing and make it extra creamy. I swear to God, it's a real thing. Interesting. Yeah, no, try it out. Sam's it's, cooking show. <laughs> I, I, look, it's a white trash cooking show for sure, but it's a cooking show. Look, I'm not saying that I'm mourning the death of American cheese the way this I article. Feel like you are. <laughs> it's funny because rarely, rarely do is there any kind of American cheese in the house. But last time I got it and I brought it from the grocery store and Sam's like, American cheese, really? I'm like, yeah, bud. Did and I now it? it's been like four weeks since I said that, that happened, and he's all the way back in and around. I don't think I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were not into the, the individually wrapped singles. No, they were good for breakfast sandwiches, and they uh-huh. were good for uh, folding into one small cube and then shoving into your mouth late at night. <laughs> like you're talking about you take your grill to sleep. Got it. yeah again I'm not a classy gentleman uh, let's, let's move on from American cheese oh man, um, oh, man. do no. you guys do you guys want to yeah. talk about Kanye visiting Trump we talked about him like the last two weeks straight I feel like that's enough air for Kanye of, yeah. Unless he's, he's gonna send us something for else. free. Or... Can I say that yeah, I'm out Yeah, he went to the Oval Office and he's a fool. I'm kind. Of, I, I think this is it, though. If I, I've defended Kanye a lot. I, I don't care about any more Kanye stories. I yeah, think this I is think it. Everybody's done. I'm done with the Kanye mm-hmm. stories. I think. That's what we were saying. You can almost be done with this guy. That's what we were saying yeah. last week, and it's uh, you know, I mean, you just man, get on your meds, take care of yourself. Like, <sighs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. All right, so that's all the stories I have for this week. I do want to. I didn't really. I forgot we were going to talk about this today, and I just want to mention it. Did you guys happen to see that Sears is filing for Chapter 11 today? I have to be honest with you. When they left here, I thought that they had already, they were yeah, already I gone. Was, I yeah. thought Sears was already gone. So when I heard that this morning, I was like, wait, hmm. I thought they were gone. Well, the company, well, they're not. Apparently, they're still around. The company, which cool. still owns discount retailer Kmart, will close another 142 stores by the end of the year, uh, on top of the recently announced round of 46 closures. Uh, they there are still actually 506 Sears locations, um, but again, this is sort of leaning toward the end. And I only only brought it up because like we were again we've been watching that sort of that America the story of us documentary, and if you realize like how important like Sears and the Roebuck was to like American like just America, America. just America and yeah. the concept of building like an American marketplace. It is it it, it is like a an interesting moment to remember that this is maybe the end for like a really fundamental like a toy store. American company. Well, Toys R Us is back. Yeah. We talked about it last week. Oh, they're back. I was gone. <laughs> yeah, they're back. Uh, yeah, signs of their uh, signs of their demise have been uh, exaggerated. Uh, there's another story on here I'm going to save until after the segment, so we'll move on from that. Let's get into this week's interview uh, with... Uh, I screwed up again. He told me how to pronounce his name and I wrote it down. No, it's... Uh, Oh God! I'm gonna do it. It's it's Meshag, Meshag, Rick Meshag. There it is. He told me the correct pronunciation. It's Rick Meshag from Rick's Roaming Barbecue. Rick broke an hour in our conversation. We had a really, really uh, long form discussion about how he got into the food truck biz, uh, where uh, his 
his family growing up, uh, how he got into video. He was one of the HCCC uh, video and radio department guys. Now that department is closed. I know we've talked about that a lot in the show. Really, really wide-ranging, great discussion. If you've been at any Maiden Utica events, you've seen Rick's Roaming Barbecue. Great to have him on the show. Definitely going to have him again on in the future. Uh, but for now, let's get to this week's interview with Rick. We'll be back in just a bit. Sometimes people walk in for interviews, and I'm like, I don't know how they're going to handle this. Rick, I feel like you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And I want to get this out of the way now, right off the bat. First question, what's the correct pronunciation of your last name? Is it McCaig? Is it Maciag? It is, uh, it's actually, the way that I pronounce it is is Maciag. Maciag. And so many people pronounce it differently, and the crazy thing is, is that when there's... Probably three or four families in a <laughs> yeah, radius yeah. of this area that have the same last name, and we're not related. Yep. So, and people people ask me all the time, well, you must be related to this guy or mm-hmm. this person or whatever. I mean, some of them you kind of find out over time uh, a little bit of who they are mm-hmm. or... Like, I'll talk to my dad, and he might know yeah. or of somebody or whatever else, and I'm sure they, they, they probably hear the same thing with me because now I've got a business and I'm out in public... What, that uh, what is Meshack, by the way? It's uh, it's Polish. Polish. Okay. So, so you yeah. grew up like Polish family style. Yeah, and I want to say I my grandfather died when I was one, so I never I never knew him. Mm. But I want to say I, I I believe that I had heard at one point or whatever that he used to say that Meshack in Poland was as common as Smith is around this. Oh, area. Okay, I see. So I it's see. just a very common name out there, mm. and now. You know, fast forward to this generation, whatever, and, and yeah, now it's starting to come around here. There's about, I want to say there's three or four different Familaro subfamilies in yeah. Utica, so I get that that's a lot as well. probably crazy for you, yeah. You know what, though, because the problem is not that I'm not related to these people. I could be. I just don't know, because I don't, like, I'm not, con- Maybe, yeah, I'm not connected down, somehow, yeah, right? right? right, I know, like, four other people named Familaro who are the ones I see at, like, family events, and then anyone else mm-hmm. is like, you related to... Jerry yeah. Familar? I'm like, I guess. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah. it's another name that nobody pronounces right. correctly. At some point down the road, yeah, 50 years ago or 100, probably 500 years ago, our families crossed paths and we were somewhere. Just, Who knows? Did you, you know? uh, can you do any like the Polish style cooking or anything? Is there like the stuff you grew up with? with um, so my grandmother was, she was a baker hmm. and she, um, and coincidentally, I, baking is just not, no, my thing. It's the one it's, cooking thing that I'm terrified yeah, of. Yeah, so I think with me, it's uh, it's more of a structured element saying, all right, well, you have to you have to follow these directions. You have to follow these mathematical equations or whatever and, and get them right. And to me, it's like I, I the experimenting of what I do is just to say, all right, well, I, I can see something or have something in mind and I can try it. Yeah. And I don't have to say, well, I have to have X amount of sugar 
versus X amount of baking soda or whatever in, you know, I, the, I don't know. I, it's just more, not my thing, you the know? The more and more I watch people cook, right? Yeah. And, and I'm just going to use cook as a broad term, right? Right, right. I, I see people bake, I see people I do grilling, whatever you want to call it, right? Right. The more and more I realize how limited I am with my understanding of what I can and can't do. I grew up like an Italian household, so I can like make sauce, I can, that's about it, right? I can make soups, yeah. I can do, I can fry steaks and things like that, but... I've been watching this thing on YouTube for the last couple of days. It's this uh, Bon Appetit does this video where they have these gourmet chefs mm-hmm. make gourmet versions of like snack food, right? So they like they're trying to make like gourmet Cheetos or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to make them like all natural. And I'm watching them go through the process. And they're like, well, this time I'm going to add more baking soda to get more crunch. And I'm like, I didn't even understand that that was like a concept for how it <laughs> right? is. Like, I didn't know you right? could do that. Right. <laughs> Some of the stuff's just a little beyond you, you know? Yeah, so, but no, and th- and that's it, you know? So, I mean, to give you a little bit about my background, Not I'm sure, sure you absolutely. might have a little bit of questions too, as far as that goes. But I, so I never went to culinary school mm-hmm. and Smart. I just, I started out as a bus boy and a dishwasher mm. when I was, you know, I think, old uh old enough to buy my first car or whatever mm. and just at the time it was like all right it was a means to to make a little bit of money to to save up for car insurance and buy yeah. a car whatever right yeah, yeah. and and then get by and it was uh i don't know i just i kind of i was working at a place and I kind of moved from a dishwasher to almost a prep cook sort of thing oh yeah at one yeah, point yeah, yeah. And I got to know some of the guys that I was working with a little better, and I got to kind of see more of the behind-the-scenes thing, and I was kind of just intrigued by it, I guess. It's an interesting and, lifestyle, and I I found myself yeah. attached to it in a certain way, and I think, I don't even know how to put it, like, there's a certain type of person who works in the service industry, yeah. and, I don't know how, and I don't know how to broadly define it, but the service industry calls to it a certain type of person, right? Whether right. it's creative types or people who are just desperately, like, intrigued by food or the process mm-hmm. of how it works. And I, I love all these people. Like, I, these people tend to be my people. And whenever right, I bring right. people in from the restaurant world or from the food world, it makes me feel good because I still have some of that connection, even though I'm sort of out of the restaurant field at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we've already gone five and a half minutes, and I've not yet introduced uh, Rick Beishank from Rick's Roaming Barbecue. Uh, you know, you come out to so many of our events and it's been such a long time coming considering how often we run into each other. I'm finally, I'm glad we got to sit down and yeah. do this finally. I want to get into the dishwashing stuff, bit bu- uh, busboy stuff and how that started, but I want to get a little bit of background first. So Rick, where were you born initially? Did okay. So, uh, right in Oneida. Oneida. Yeah. I've yeah, grown mm-hmm. up in the area. Uh, I live in Vernon. Uh, mm-hmm. I went Where'd you go to like high school and stuff. Uh, so I went to uh, Seneca Street Elementary in Oneida till mm-hmm. fifth grade, and then I moved to to VVS. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I graduated from. Pretty popular, actually, uh, with people on our show. It's a pretty popular school. Did you like your time at VVS? Did you? Yeah, and you know the the crazy thing, thinking back on it now, is that I don't know if you know if you were familiar with with high school football or, or follow any I, of that sort of i played football for one, one year maybe okay. in high so, school i was too small yeah you know yeah. i i did a little bit too and then i don't know i think i, I just it, one summer i just quit going to practice or yeah. whatever i, I did I, cross country after yeah you know thinking back it's like well it i don't know i probably should have stuck it out but you know you're young and you don't know and it is what it is now it's history i feel like football is weird though it's, it's the weirdest sport to play as a kid 
because it does. I learned some good stuff from football. I learned uh, like the like I, a lot of teamwork stuff, a lot of like camaraderie, like right, a lot right. of friends I knew from that. Yeah. But after a certain point in time, I'm like, I'm five foot eight. Yeah. Give me five foot nine, like 140 pounds soaking yeah. wet. And I was in high school. Yeah. I'm just not built yeah. for this. Like it's, it's right. somewhere along the way, it's not for me. Right. 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 Uh, but you were you were doing football there. Or? Yeah, a little bit. But but the reason why I bring it up mm. is. Uh, because VVS just put in a new stadium. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just had they just had their uh, opening game this past weekend. Yeah. And just to think back that, wow, they finally, after all these years, put lights in, have turf and this yeah. and that. And it's it's crazy thinking back that, yeah, when we had night games, it, VVS and Oneida was the rivalry. And when we had night games, they were always in Oneida under the mm-hmm. lights because we just never had them at VVS. Uh-huh. Our games were always like Saturday afternoons or whatever. I graduated from Proctor in 04, and we had just, just gotten that new stadium on the side of the school, the, the D'Alessandro Stadium. And at the time, I was like, man, what a great stadium. And yeah, now yeah. I, I work there now. It's like 14 yeah. years later. I'm like, kind of ready for a new stadium here. Yeah, guys. right, it's right. It's a little crummy. <laughs> I mean, the extent of some of that stuff for yeah, me, yeah. actually, was uh, we... After a while, at one point, when I was doing uh, video and in, in media as as a job, yeah. I uh, we were doing some video coverage with a guy that had a, a sports paper. So, mm-hmm. so that kind of brought me back into the high school sports and college sports, and I I would run around and do these little segments or whatever else. But this was this was back in the day. This is before like HD video and all that. Oh, so, yeah. th- so as now you're baby. getting the idea of how dated it is, mm-hmm. but. And at that time, it was. I, I feel like that was probably my closest uh, thing as to as to being a news producer or whatever. Because I never worked in news, and I never yeah. really cared to. Um, I'm always been fascinated by that, by the media world, right? Like, yeah. I, I did commercial work for like uh, not 4K TV. I used to work at that building when I was younger. Uh-huh. You're, you're probably old enough to remember this because you're. I think you're feeling you're around my age. Do you remember when the CW was the WB? It was the WB11 or whatever it was. Yes, yes. I, I used okay. to be the crummy commercial spokesman for the WBU11. Really? Oh my god, it's super embarrassing. Some of the most embarrassing footage you'll ever <laughs> see in the world. But like I remember going up there and like shooting footage with the cameraman at the time who ended up leaving go to Syracuse, but Yeah. You know, it, there's something about that that's very when you're in the process of like watching like the sausage get made. You're like this is actually really this is yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> I yeah. can get excited about this. And one thing from working in in media in such a small capacity yeah. and everything is that you, I mean, because so I, I I produce TV ads. Yeah, yeah. And but you would just go out and go to these different jobs or whatever mm-hmm. and. You would learn probably so much knowledge of useless stuff, yeah. yes. in in just things that. <laughs> yes. Well, all right, I never really adjusted. thought about how <laughs> right exactly. how, how this actually came up, or or what this is, or what this does, or whatever else. And sometimes, you know, you would come away with something that was fairly interesting, and you would probably never have any reason at all to even know this stuff, but it was just part of the job. Now, so I got to ask you: Were you doing this media stuff in? And Vernon, or did you go to college and all? Yeah, so, okay. Uh, So, I graduated from VVS, Mm -hmm. and at that time, like I say, I was working in some restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Kind of liked it, but uh, I think, in my mind, I wanted to... 
I ended up going to Herkimer for radio TV. Awesome. I'm so glad and you said that. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> it was – and, you know, now with the advent of Facebook and all that, you yeah. can kind of keep in touch with what's going on. But it's a bummer that they cut the program. Oh it really sucked because that program was phenomenal. Dude, it's such a common story. Everybody I know yeah. talks about that program. My buddy Adam for years, like, yeah. he went there. And now he lives in New York and he works for, like – Bravo and does freelance work for yeah. everybody, but he always said, and you can probably expand on this, when you go to like a big school for this kind of thing, uh-huh. um, you don't get to like touch the cameras until yeah. like junior year, but at Herkimer, you're like right, right in at day one. Herkimer, day. they taught the basis of broadcasting and everything, yeah. I think, better than... Probably a lot of the four-year yeah. schools really did. Yeah. So I remember, though, uh, when I, so I, I got my bachelor's there, and then I, I ended up transferring and, mm-hmm. and uh, going to UB. Nice. Um, and for media studies, and I remember. Did you like UB? I did. So <laughs> like I'll, I'll get in. I'll, I'll get into that too. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I remember sitting with my counselor. I, I don't know. You call him counselor, Guidance advisor, counselor, whatever, yeah. whatever. And Herkimer, when I was getting ready when we were coming up on graduation and I was talking to him and I said, yeah, I want to keep going to school. And I was looking at a couple different schools and he said, the one thing that he did say that he said that you'll notice and, and after you thought about it and realized that he was right. Um, so going into leaving a community college and people think that it's uh, like 13th grade or whatever else. He said... Only if you decide to make it 13th grade, True, right? true. But sometimes they, the, their, their parents force them in or, yeah, yeah. or they don't know what they want to do or whatever else. For sure. He did say that once you get into this next level, the attitude of the students will change. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you working in the educational field... I mean, I work in high school now and yeah. I try and get my kids to understand, like, they hate to work together in right. groups. I'm like, yo, the minute you get in college, you're going to be forced to work with everybody. Yeah. Even if you don't like them, because what they're really doing is preparing you for the real world where you have no choice but to yeah. work with people you don't yeah. like. Or, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're always going to be forced into those situations oh, yeah. and... and and I like, I prefer that sort of level of work, honestly, as I'm in grad school now, so it's kind of different. But yeah. Like, you know, I, I think that college, though, the other thing is, too, is you make a lot of connections at right. that sort of level. And especially with doing the, the H-Trip-C thing and going to Buffalo, like, did you mm-hmm. keep any of those connections from Herkimer when you went to Buffalo? Was anything there still? Uh, oh, a little bit. I, I mean, you know, like I say, I mean, Facebook and that sort of thing kind of helps, helps a lot. people I stay nowhere in too, for, Which sounds yeah. weird for people under a certain age, but that was yeah. a game changer in terms of... It really was, yeah. because... You know, I'm friends with some of my roommates or whatever, and if it wasn't for that, mm-hmm. would we even really be in touch all that much, or yeah. would we, you know, be able to look at what we've got going on, or, or what I, you know, anything, really? Can I ask you what year you graduated UB? What year? Yeah. Uh, 2003. So, three. Okay, so, yeah. oh, three you came out. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, interesting. interesting. So, when I decided to go to Buffalo, I had never really been to Buffalo. The I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, I knew in, in granite too, UB was at the time, and I believe still is, uh, the biggest SUNY school in the SUNY it's system. Huge. It's, it, it's, it really feels like its own city. So, it, and it really was. Yeah. So when I was there, there was two campuses and I lived in Amherst, which was on the North. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, we had, you know, the, the media studies building or whatever. I was actually, I lived fairly close to it mm-hmm. and but to walk from one end of the, of, of the campus to the other 
it could take you an hour at least, and that's just a straight walk. So, I mean, that's to give you kind of a, a sense of how big the yeah. school really was. And now I believe that there's three or four campuses. Mm. So they've, they've gotten even larger than when I was there. So I get a lot of my kids who are either intimidated by it because they want to go to a smaller college or yeah, like totally yeah. into it because they want to go to a place where they are like in the middle of it in the thing of it all yeah, the time yeah so I mean Buffalo so like I say when I got out there I didn't know anybody there I didn't know anything about Buffalo I didn't have a car mm-hmm. um, I didn't and this was you know way before cell phone well you know people didn't have cell Close phones and didn't com- cell, yeah, yeah they, they didn't communicate the way that they, they do now mm-hmm. so you weren't gonna just text somebody randomly and you know, and and there wasn't Uber and stuff like that. Right. So you had to kind of adjust to the times. And and so when I got out there, I remember I didn't have a job. Um, I knew maybe one person from back home that went yeah. there. Um, I was I was twenty one, but some of the kids that were I was around were not twenty one. Right. And there was there was this one bar we always got kind of got stuck going to because they let under twenty ones in, mm-hmm. and it was probably you know one of the worst bars to go to or whatever else <laughs> yeah, yeah thinking back i'm like i can't believe how much time i probably spent in that place but again <laughs> yeah. you know it was just easy so and it was just an easy place to get to was part of it mm. too um but i remember when i got out there and and i had an apartment with three other guys and or yeah, I think I want to say it was three people, and I didn't know any of them either. And it was just we were just kind of Which thrown into weird. it. Yeah, it's a yeah. Weird, so it's a weird setting. So I can remember sitting there without a job and going to school in just this big, intimidating place after growing up in a small area like this. And oh, I'm yeah. thinking, in, in in the very beginning, I was like, you know, did I make a mistake? Mm-hmm. And do I want to go home? And I kind of wanted to go home or whatever. And then I stuck it out, and I ended up getting a job doing some catering with a with a fairly bigger company, and we did some crazy, some awesome things. But I, uh, they basically let me do whatever I want because I had experience, and sure, um, they did obviously hire a lot of students because it was you know Hours set up weird, yeah, yeah. Uh, just they had a lot of different things going on, but it was easy for them to get kind of part time help for, through students, sure, and, um. I remember the executive chef and all that. I got to know him pretty good, and they basically said, you know, you, you've got experience and you have the right attitude for it, and they basically let me just come in whenever I wanted to. Nice. You know, nice. if, if you got time before class, um, I had Fridays off a lot of times, so i just go and work, and I was making pretty damn good money for a college kid. And and the thing is, I was working behind the scenes. I was, I was right. kitchen staff. I was cooking, and... We did a lot of private parties and stuff, and they actually tipped us out as cooks. Was there any point in time when you thought, like, I might just stay out here in Buffalo? Um, I think I thought about actually going back. Mm. Um, not in a while, but I, I used to a yeah. little bit and thinking, all right, you know what? It's only three hours down the road, and, and obviously there's, there's things going on there, mm. and I could, you know, I, I'm sure that, there isn't really too many people. I know a couple people that are still out there that never right. left, but I don't know. Um, I have people still in New York, and yeah. I sometimes I get like like a like a wild hair up my ass sometimes. Like oh, it'd be nice to go back and just you know, yeah. see all the people, but like it's I can't imagine what it would take for me to actually like what it would 
it re- w- what it would require for me to actually move my life back all down, the down there, there yeah. to deal with all the bullshit that I moved away from there for a reason. Right, right? Like, I right. can't... It would have to be some sort of wild opportunity. I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I, uh, so, I gotta ask you, at any point in time during this whole thing, you're doing, you're doing the food catering, uh, you're still doing media work at this point in time? Yeah, so I, um, so I guess part of the reason why I went to school for media yeah. was because I was intrigued, I've always enjoyed creative writing, and I was intrigued by storytelling, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. and, uh... Not necessarily nonfiction, but more fiction, and, and that gets into the realm of the David Lynch thing yeah, and, yeah. and all that. Mm. But uh, you know, There's so a narrative to it. Yeah, yeah, and I was intrigued by that, and I was never. I'm not somebody to sit down and read a book per se. Really. Mm. So I was never. I enjoyed writing, but I wasn't really like an English major. Wouldn't be me, I guess right. you could say. Right. So and to this day, I still enjoy writing and different different forms of writing and all that. And uh, I think that's that was in my mind why I went to school for for media because it was kind of film school, but it kind of wasn't to the point where, uh, from a story sense, film school I feel like teaches you the fun the fundamentals on. Um, things that you need to know in order to run the camera and do the different aspects of what's going on, but really from a storytelling perspective, it's not necessarily the same thing as being a writer. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, I mean, mean, I I remember getting out of my <laughs> getting out of high, college. I got my bachelor's degree in education, or I'm sorry, history, mm-hmm. and uh, went in to go talk to the guy who runs like the grad department and. He said, well, you got only get a 2.8, so you'd have to... You need a 3.0 to get into the teaching right. program. Right, right. Now, mind you, it used to be 2.8. They changed it, like, the year I graduated. Of course so they I was did. Like, oh, of course they did, right? Yeah, yeah. So they were like, well, you can audit some classes, or you know, and then see if you get good enough grades to get into the program. I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I actually had one teacher who's like, you know, you're, you're a strong writer. You should get into, like, journalism. And I really remember having a moment in my life where I was like... Pfft, Journalism, yeah, it's dead. Everyone reads on the internet now. I'm like, yeah, I'm right, like an right. idiot. Like I think, <laughs> but, you know what I mean. But, but like, I think that when you there's something very like, I look at like news reporting and stuff, and mm-hmm. I love to write, but I'm terrified of having to do this, especially in this kind of climate, in this world we live in now, where like mm-hmm. people seem to like hate every journalist no matter oh what they write. Yeah, like, they just it's it's such a scary time to get into writing like that, and that's where yeah. I did want to lean into like that fiction writing, that sort of creative writing. Uh-huh. I just don't know if there's you have to be really good <laughs> like yeah i mean the, i mean in one sense it's cool because now as an artist or whatever you can get into a, mm-hmm. maybe you can find a deal through a netflix or something where you don't have to shop and try to sell a million dollars worth of something to yeah. to get onto a network for people to see it or whatever but at the same time it's like you still got to step up your game because there's just so much out there so in one sense it's cool because these days you're gonna from a music standpoint, uh, be able to hear and experience bands or whatever that you're mm. never going to hear on the radio oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. are just out there on social. In, yes. And, and it's cool. It's cool because... I go back and forth with it, though, because I say this all the time. Like, in high school, and again, I'm not trying to old man shaking my fist at the clouds, uh-huh. I think that it sort of creates this... Like, I used to like the idea that when I walked into like class, I was like, yo, did you guys listen to this? 
50 Cent CD. They're like, right. yeah, dude, I did, right? Yeah, but yeah. now it's like, I'll mention like some band that I think is popular. Hey, did you guys see this? Uh, you know, like, it was like Ariana Grande broke up with Pete Davidson today. Like, my students are like, we don't, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like, all right, what do you guys like? I don't understand yeah, what you yeah, guys like. Yeah, true. So I do think that like, there's a, it's sort of a double-edged sword, right? Uh-huh. Like, this show probably wouldn't exist in the pre- like do-it-yourself era right but now there's also 75 podcasts that a million people produce right, right, so right. there's so much more of it now that i don't feel like there's that sort of central core of anything and it goes for podcasting or music or anything yeah um or to get into that central core where everyone's in it you have to it's gotta you gotta grind so hard now or you yeah. have to really do something special to like set yourself ahead right. uh i just gotta ask just because we haven't even gotten close to it yet and i want to bring it up yeah at any point in time, like when is the first time you remember sort of the food truck thing coming into your periphery? Okay, like so... Even if it was not something you thought about doing. Like, do you remember seeing it in Buffalo? Was it a thing that existed? No, I, I don't really think back then. Yeah. Um, I guess... I didn't see it till New York, honestly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it's still, I mean, it's 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 catching on here. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's coming to the point where, all right, yeah, now people... Are starting to understand what it is and you know it's because yeah if, if you go down to new york or you travel around to the bigger cities that, that are already have the food trucks and it exists and all that people understand the concept right I was and the infrastructure probably didn't exist here initially for like it didn't people. really <laughs> yeah. i mean you know and then you go back and, and think about it and say all right well who were some of the first food trucks in the area because it seems like a lot of us had kind of started about the same time it seems like for it. the most part yeah. and i mean you might have like louis gyro louis he's he's been around doing it for a long time and yeah. um then you know you talk to somebody like ron from come fry with me and he was you know yeah. we were having a conversation about how he started in boonville and yeah. you know and they featured they did a feature on him or something this year at the boonville fair uh, he was on here a couple yeah. months ago he's in his i think what's interesting about it too is with him specifically uh and not him specifically, like you see a lot of people with the idea of coming up with a food truck right uh-huh. you have to have some sort of hook it seems like there's got to be some angle whether it's a type of food or a particular See, item you use and i or you know and, and i think about that too mm. so in the way that i I, th- I think i can put it sort of in perspective mm. for especially for somebody who doesn't really get the the concept yeah. is that there's obviously like anything you can either i i'd say make a career out of it or or uh or it's a hobby mm-hmm. and that comes down to everything to, to the way that you file your taxes on it. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. they, they're going to look at it and say, well, are you making money? Is this is this actually a viable business or is it a, a hobby? And so then, you know, there's a fine line between the two. And sometimes with a hobby, I think making a career out of it, you're kind of forced to... Your expectations change with a hobby, right? Like, you don't... They, they do because sometimes it's like, all right, well... Do I? You don't necessarily have to maybe put the effort into it because maybe you have a nine to five or something, mm-hmm. and you're just doing this on the side. And I'm I'm not saying that this is the case with everybody sure, by any means, but this is kind of sometimes how I put it into perspective. I think because is this your only gig? This is my only. Your gig. only gig. Yeah. So you're you're doing this full time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and again, I mean, there's there's other people that are doing it just on the side and, and, and they got great ideas and great concepts. Well, I'm and, glad you bring that up because it's a question I've asked over the years to different people, whether it's yeah. been uh, Nick Briggs or Jason Ramirez right, or right. Ron, these guys. 
And I get different answers. Some people, yeah. this is their only gig, and I'm going right, to plug right. all my time into it. And then some people, yeah. it's like, hey, I got other things I'm doing, but this is a good way to supplant it. I think there's an... And there's not really necessarily a rhyme or reason. I think some it just works for some people there, in one way. And there isn't, I, I don't think. And, you know, you get... You, you do all these different events, and, and you yeah. see different people, and you get so many people that come up to you and say, oh, wow, this is awesome, or I want to do this, or... You know, or I'm thinking I, I I'm buying a truck next year or whatever else, and you you get that a lot. And I guess some of the advice that I kind of that I've discovered over the last couple of years of doing it, and then um, by talking to to people out and about who are mm-hmm. just starting out or, or or doing it too, I think a couple of things that that I that worked for me and. You're, you just got to realize you're not going to hit a home run every time. Right, for And sure. you got to be, you know, you just got to stay focused. And, and and even when you can have the worst day or you don't make sales or, or whatever else, you know, your numbers aren't what you had hoped for or whatever. You just got to kind of, you got to stay focused and, and stay true to your mm-hmm. word. So meaning if, if somebody, if some if, if you commit to something and then something else comes along but it's the same time, and you know that the second thing is going to be more money than the first. Mm. I'm the person who's not going to bail on the first, first guy, one, right. and yeah, I yeah. think that that really, I think that's going to be longevity right. that that helps kind of forge the right direction. Who else is part of this with you? Is it? Are you the only guy? I'm, I'm the only guy. The only person. So you, um, that cart shows up, you're in it. Yeah. Part, right? So yeah, my trailer is very small and very compact, and and Which you is know, nice, by the way, I like that. Actually, uh, it's yes. Nice. It's well, you know, accessible. thank you. And in the way that I have it set up, and thinking back, actually, when I started with the trailer, my menu was much smaller. I feel and diverse from what it has become now, mm-hmm. and I'm actually utilizing kind of I condensed the space and everything yeah. down and changed things around. But again, I mean, this is, you know, it's taken a couple of years to do that, to kind of figure out, all right, well, instead of doing it this way and then only being able to to, to get this person to buy. Let's yeah. say, for instance, uh, a husband and wife comes up and one's a vegetarian or whatever. And then, right. all right, well, or one doesn't eat pork and pork's one of my biggest sellers, whatever. Right. So now it's like, all right, well, I'll have... A lot of times I'll do two meats per se, and then you can choose basically. Like if you get right. nachos, you can get nachos with pork or chicken. So yeah. so I kind of more or less just take the concepts and just do almost combinations out of them. You come with the menu so, yourself? I do. And uh, so – That seems like the hardest part to me is like trying to come up with like – you don't want to take away things that are obviously – Big sellers, right? You got yeah. certain things that sell all the time. Right, you also right. don't want to run the same thing out every single month, yeah, I month think, year, whatever. Right, right. And, and part of it, the, the cool thing about the food truck concept is that, and especially with me being that I'm a one-man show, is that I can, I have the very, I have, uh, I guess, just the ability to creatively and say, all right, well, yeah, I can do this, mm-hmm. or I don't have to fall in and... I'm not being told by like McDonald's saying, "All right, well, you're selling McRibs this week," and yeah, you know something like that, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So with this, I can kind of there's certain things that I can't really get out of doing because they they just go over well or whatever else people ask for them, which is fine. Yeah. But then there's also other things that I can kind of play around with and, and try out just because 
sometimes it's just for me it's just to, so that it's not boring or the same shit over and over and over you know so let me ask you this question just because I'm, I'm sort of curious you when I saw you yesterday at yeah. the uh, at the fall fest there yeah um, yeah you had the woodland hoodie on yeah and the copper city hat oh, so you yeah. obviously have like good like interactions with other local businesses yeah do you like what's what's the sort of vibe when you're dealing with other people other carts other local businesses do you have a particular like way you like dealing with people is there like well sometimes i mean i feel like uh especially yeah so i've gotten into the craft beer industry i guess nice. you could say nice um and some of it's i before i was before I got into all this, I drank Bud Light. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I drank, and I was probably pretty good at drinking Bud Light. A lot but of people now, are good at drinking Bud Light. Yeah, I've now now I'm not really a Bud Light drinker anymore, <laughs> and um, I I attest a lot of that to uh, Keith at Woodland because oh yeah, I spent a lot of time with Keith and Another GFOP here on the show. He's yeah, been on a couple times, great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so I got to you know I I started out with his Kolsch, his standard Kolsch, uh, mm-hmm. Carl the Great. Um, and in the beginning, that's all I drank up there. And then over spending a lot of time up there, I started drinking other beers and oh, thinking, yeah. oh, my God, there's a whole different world out here now. <laughs> and now now all I do is pretty much when I'm on the road or whatever, I, I try just about anything that I can. What I appreciate about Woodland now is because I don't drink as much as the other guys generally do. I'm not a huge beer drinker, but yeah. I am a big... I like stouts and I uh-huh. like porters, and I appreciate that whenever I put it with yeah. me, it's got a fancy porter or stout that I can yeah. dig into, which is you know, and I can go a little slower on it because I feel like you yeah. give me in my younger days, you give me some colches, they're gone, they're just dead. right. I wouldn't even taste it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, though, it in in terms of how this whole thing, yeah, it, yeah, if yeah. you can call it a movement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Woodland, Copper City, Sixteen yeah. Stone, and and then the food trucks. We all kind of mm. more or less started at the same time. Yeah. So we're sure. all kind of figuring it out, and uh, just the concepts of well, it kind of goes back like we were talking about baking and all that. Brewing beer is it's something oh, yeah. that is beyond me. Mm. It's just not for me, and uh, I like to drink it, and I, I I like to I like to know about it and everything else. Right. And I, I've spent a lot of time at Copper City and at Woodland and. Uh, at Woodland, we were rotating food trucks. Now they started their own kitchen. Uh, their manager, Jeff, kind of, that was his mm-hmm. project, and he's doing a great job. Uh, the food's been great, and I've heard a lot of good things. I I was trying stuff before they even opened, and, yeah. I mean, I knew it was a work in progress, and it was great for those guys to do that. And uh, and so now I've been doing a lot of stuff with Copper City. I was doing stuff with Copper City before, mm-hmm. but they just don't have the space yeah. for a kitchen, so it's... It's it's cool though because it allows food trucks to go in and and do something in that scene. But I can I can almost sense usually right away if I meet somebody with a food truck and I kind of can get a feel of if they would be a good fit for a Woodland or a Copper City scenario right. yeah, or if it's yeah. just not for them. Now, I got to ask you this question because it's the question that everybody who gets who has a food truck or owns a food truck is yeah. going to inevitably have been asked. Was there ever a plan for you to go brick and mortar? I think I know this answer already. Did you ever think about expanding out into like a brick and mortar? Is that something that's on the table or does that seem like something that's not really... So for me, it was... All right. So kind of rewind back to the way that the whole food truck thing came up. Now this is 2012, by the way, when you started with the food truck? I'm just guessing. No, no, no. Actually, so I've owned the name Rick's Roaming Barbecue in the website for, yeah, X amount of years, whatever it was. Um, The whole food truck thing came up... 
I I want to say going back now. I think I've been self employed for three and a half years. I want to say so like 2014, 2015, probably so, something like that. Okay. So the first summer, it allowed me to kind of get into farmers markets and, sure. yeah, and yeah. start this whole thing mm-hmm. on a small scale. And this was before I got before I had the trailer, before I did a food sure. truck, before I even really even thought about the concept of it. Yeah. And. But it allowed me to do things that if I had a nine to five job, I couldn't do. Exactly. And it also, I mean, it was a lot of work. It, and not that the food truck's not a lot of work, because it is. Mm-hmm. But driving around with a flat trailer and, and setting up a tent with a table and and then dealing with all the permits and everything, it, yeah. it got to it got me to really understand how the health inspections worked and all that. I mean. I've I've known about it and all that from over the years working in the restaurants, but I've been really dealing with the whole idea of what they call a mobile permit, which is a food truck. So that was kind of my stepping stones. And then I started, I guess, as it got closer to fall, really looking more on things like Craigslist or whatever Mm -hmm. for maybe an opportunity or a possibility or whatever. I somehow randomly came across this trailer that I bought that I'm running now. And I looked at it, uh, got in touch with the guy. I think I was looking at a, a different one online at the same time yeah. or whatever. I want to say this one was out like Binghamton area or whatever, and it, and it had been sitting there. Uh, I don't know. He tell he. I mean, when I drove out, he kind of he he kind of gave me his story a little bit, and some of it kind of made sense, but some of it I felt like. The trailer was sitting there, and it had been sitting there for a long time, and his wife was just like, you're never going to get back into it. Just sell it. (laughs) One of those types of deals. So, And I'm looking at it and thinking, and I'm like, man, I could do something with this. Mm. And so I remember I I drove out that morning, and I'm like, I'm probably going to bring this trailer back with me today. And and I did. It's something – I think it's kind of a misnomer too because I think in my head – I was always under the impression that, like, you decided what kind of food truck you want to get, and then you, like, go find the food truck. I think a lot of people seem to base it on what they can, what the trucks are available, because a lot of people are buying these trucks that are already pre-made, yeah. it seems like, right? It, to some degree, yeah. To some degree, to some degree right? I okay. think. Um, with me, it was, I guess, it. so I worked in, to give you a little yeah, bit yeah, of background, sure. too, uh, I worked in uh, banquets places. Uh, I worked at I worked at Vernon Downs during. Sure. Um, we had a couple restaurants yeah. there, but we this was before the casino and the oh, casino was, and all that. Yeah, yeah. But this was back when they used to have K Rockathon and fireworks oh, in yeah. Central New York. Mm-hmm. I worked during all those shows, and and it was great um, because I was young. We were making good money, and it was just a great experience to say, "All right, yeah, mm-hmm. I was working in this restaurant and." We had X amount of people on the field feeding, you know, we had pictures of like 20,000 people on the field for these shows. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like some of the stuff that that I was able to to work on and and everything else, thinking back and it's like, you know, it kind of, it was like, yeah, I I like that. And I I, I enjoyed it. And, but honestly, this business isn't for everybody, as you know, you know, in (laughs) I mean, somebody can walk up and say, yeah, I want to do a food truck or whatever else. And it's like, hmm. you might have a good idea or, you know, you, people will throw out ideas. And to me, it's like, oh, uh, all right. Um, you know, I'll give you what advice I can give you based on what I know hmm. over the last couple of years of doing it. But it's just like I say, it's just people don't realize the logistics of 
of the hours of the work of the cleanup of like Keith said about brewing beer, it's it ends up being seventy five percent of your time ends up being cleaning. Yes. And <laughs> it's the same idea with the food. So with teaching it's eighty percent of your time is preparation. You got twenty yeah. percent is the actual process doing eighty percent. Right, is like right, absolutely. To make so, it work. And, and that's generally how it goes. Yeah. But uh, like I say, I mean people it's it's not for everybody and I think Thinking back before the whole food truck thing started, I, I I had thought at some point maybe maybe I'd try to find uh, a brick and mortar, and it's so much hassle compared to it. It is it is it's it's definitely I mean you still have your overhead you still have you know uh, food cost and all that to deal with, but when you're running a big place you have a lot more uh, different things that you have to put into. Perspective. You're bringing people to you. It's yeah. the simple concept that you can go someplace where right. people are as opposed to try and convince people yeah. to come to you. I mean, when I was kind of, I guess, first starting to look into this sort of thing, yeah. I used to think or watch as some of these shows would come out, like the Restaurant Impossibles or yeah, yeah, yeah. the Bar Rescues mm-hmm. and but then the, the other ones where they focus on the positives like the Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives yeah, yeah, and those yeah. shows... And I would think, you know, if I was driving down the road and maybe see something for sale, I would think, all right. And then part of it, too, is my uh, advertising and marketing background. Sure. I would think, all right, well, what could I do here and how can you utilize the space to hopefully yeah. gain the most out of it? And, you know, you got to look at everything from population to what ethnicity people are to what other restaurants and stuff are in the area Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different things to think about and then to think that all right so if you buy something that's been closed you're gonna have to a put a bunch of money into it just to get it running and then b put more money into it to make it the way you want it to be and then c spend a bunch of money to market it or whatever else because you have to get the word out because what good is it going to do if nobody knows you're there? Exactly. So. Now, i got to ask you a couple things real quick because I want to get in lightning round questions. I've already yeah. kept you on far longer than I planned on keeping you on. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. You're more than welcome to stay as long as you want. Um, I, I want no to get idea into, what time it is or it is, anything. It, is it doesn't matter. 4.26. Uh, okay. No, so I want to ask you a little bit because I did some professional research before you came in. Yeah. Uh, and on your Facebook page, it mentions two things we haven't talked about at all. One is Red Room Productions and one is Silver City Studios. What yes. are those two things? Okay, so kind of, uh, so like I say, obviously I had the food truck and that's mm-hmm. that's my thing. And uh, so Red Room and and also the name Rick's Roaming Barbecue. So my initials are RRM. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing that people uh, ask sense. me about. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Rick's Roaming Barbecue and now Red Room Video is they're they're all my based yeah, yeah. around my initials. Sure. So it's kind of like a marketing gimmick almost. Nice. <laughs> um, and then uh, so Red Room, uh, I was so I, I play drums nice. and I I really like. Uh, music and like that that sort of lifestyle is, is my thing <laughs> and it kind of goes along with the bar scene and this and that or whatever you else. didn't see it but i'm a guitar player by trade and my co-host on the show kevin is a bass player and he just heard you say i'm a drummer and his head just popped into the window like he's like what was that well not a lot of drummers in this town <laughs> the funny thing is is that so yesterday at the fall fest i just was kind of 
brainstorming a little bit on some random ideas that I had that from a musical standpoint oh, yeah. that we could possibly try down there. Oh, yeah. And because I look at it from a visual aspect mm-hmm. and, all right, so what can we do that's different than the traditional band setup that's like a drummer in the back and then a oh, couple yeah. guys in the front and, and whatever else? It's like, all right, well, how can we... I don't know. I, I got a couple of ideas that I've, I won't really go into on this. but We, we played the Downtown Get Down the last thing. Uh, Kevin and me and Chris and Steve yeah. just played that little last set. And there was a point in time when we were setting up the stage and I was like, you know, I wonder if there's a way for me to move Chris to the sides so people yeah. can see him because he's so good. Yeah, and then yeah. once you get up there on stage and you start putting everything up, they're like, no, traditional format. I can't figure anything. I, there's a, I'm going right back to the way I usually see, do. See, with this, it's got... Yeah, exactly. And... Sometimes it's just a matter of timing or whatever yeah. else, but if you, you know, to me it's like, all right, well, I want to take mm. a little bit of time and, and put it into it and because it's like you go and see like a national act or something yeah. and see some of the crazy stuff that they pull oh. off with the visuals <laughs> yeah. and the lighting and the video and all mm. that. And now it's like, all right, well, why does every local band have to follow the same format in, in, yeah. in covers and this and that? I like the idea of experimenting with different musicians and different styles oh, yeah. and, and kind of like a remix almost. Mm, and then also just coming up with different schematics of a stage layout or whatever, or how you place lights or whatever else, just to give somebody a feel of, all right, if you're going to, to watch a cover band play even, yeah. yeah, there's, you know what you're expecting or whatever else. Like, I, I don't want that to be that way. And, and why does it have to be? It doesn't. This I want is... to... Yeah, some of the ideas I have might be a little far fetched, but it's also it's we're gonna do it within our realms or whatever else, and I want it to be to me the most creative and different kind of format that you're not gonna expect to see out of a lo- local band or a cover music or, or whatever else. The uh, the listeners on this podcast have heard me ad nauseum talk about me and Kevin and the years we spent in bands together. Yeah, uh, so. Once we're finished up here, we're going to dig into this a little bit further in the green room with you because I'm sure we have some conversations to get into in that. I do want to shout you out real quick, though, as we get into the 45-minute mark here, uh, where people can go to find out all your stuff. Uh, you are at rickstromingbarbecue.com. Are you on Facebook and Instagram as well? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Are you on Twitter? I'm looking for you on Twitter. I am. I don't really participate in Twitter okay. so much. But, all right, so just really quick to, to kind of bring it back full circle. Yeah, yeah, sure. though, with, uh, so Red Room Video, um, I was doing it, – it's kind of more focused, and this kind of goes along the sure, lines sure. of the Silver City Project too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more or less based on I want to do music videos. Nice. And we do uh, recordings of bands or whatever for from a, a business standpoint as like a promotional mm. demo or nice. you know a marketing piece or whatever mm. else. So our the the guy that runs Silver City Studios, Rob, that I've been doing some projects with for years now. Sure. Um, he Silver City is it's based in the old Oneida Limited complex, right in Cheryl. Um, you know, right down the road from Turning Stone or whatever. Rob's been doing live. Uh, audio captures mm. for for years and years and years uh he grew up in like the jersey area new york city area um just down there and just been fascinated by it and he multi-tracks all the instruments and everything and so he is to go and do set up a live gig and we kind of work together to like i'll do multi-cam shoots and he's yeah. doing like crazy setups with these instruments and all that to track yeah. it and everything else and it's like beyond me what he does or whatever but i've learned a lot about it and from him but we just 
we're like-minded in the fact that we're very, I think we obviously creativity driven, but also just trying to put the best thing forward. Nice. But also what it comes down to sometimes that, that we have to get into is the fact that, look, we can make, we're going to make you look and sound the best that we can, but you have to come to us knowing what you're doing or whatever else. But sometimes bands can use it as a, not only a demo piece, but also as a, a way for them to actually see what they look like oh, yeah. or, you know, because, all right, yeah, you can do a demo in your house when you're practicing or whatever else, but this is what you look like on stage the other night to all these people. This is what you sounded like. Here's where you made your mistakes and everything else. And, and then they're like, Oh my God, we never knew that we did it this way or we sounded that bad or whatever. And, the tape doesn't lie, you know? I'm That's sure, what it comes down to. I'm sure the content was wiped years ago, but we went to HCCC. Uh-huh. Very, God, even before I went to New York, so you got to be talking, oh, geez, like 2006, 2005. And we recorded a live concert in the Herkimer studio. And then yeah. they interviewed us like it was a talk show. Nice. And... It was one of our worst performances. Yeah. Like, re- the, the music was bad. Uh. We were definitely, like, trying to be cool and came off like dicks. I, I don't think it's... <laughs> I, I think the video footage is gone from history. I think they just... They didn't even yeah. give it to us. Like, you know what? Just keep, We're not using it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But, like, it is something, like, even... But we were musicians, and, like, we didn't ever give much thought to the idea of, like, what we looked like when we were up there. Because you get so caught up in the process of just, like, yeah. writing the stuff and performing right, it. Right, right. Once you see yourself out there, it's it's... Jarring occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where can people go to get more info? You guys have a website for Red Room as well, or? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a Facebook or anything set up because honestly, I just yeah. don't have a lot of time to Facebook. to manage all this stuff. And, I mean, it's a great. It's a necessary evil when you is, do this kind of work. Is. But I get so burned out doing like. Yeah. The, so especially if it's just you doing. Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm a one man show everywhere. Um, and we didn't even get into some of the other stuff, but I mean, it'll come back and get back into it another time uh, listen um, we have people on here multiple times i feel yeah. like we could have gone for another two hours here. i believe it yeah well uh, there yeah there's definitely other stuff that i would like to bring up at a different point too no, awesome but but yeah so um websites yeah rick's roaming barbecue dot or rick's roaming bbq.com mm-hmm. um and there is facebook instagram twitter on that uh red room is uh redroomvideo.com nice and that's really the only thing that i'm utilizing for that more cool. or less and uh, I like to – one thing that I really want to kind of get back oh, sure, into sure. with both sites is just the idea of a blog. You know, I yeah. I kind of would type up these little snippets and maybe show a couple photos or mm-hmm. something. And just I feel like that obviously for from an internet standpoint, it creates SEO. But it also uh, – well, I think to a certain extent, I think people started getting away from like short form – blogging and writing over the last few years and everything felt like it was converting to video content all of a sudden yeah. it seems like over the last i don't even say five years i'd say the last three years it feels right. like everyone's like now nah, just make a video of it now i click on a website and it's like here's a headline and a video for you to watch right like, right i kind of like to read something sometimes yeah you know i mean yeah um no one so wants to pay people to write anymore I, yeah true so i mean with me it's it's just another part of the job though sure, so yeah I'm, I'm writing i'm taking photos i'm um, some of it is obviously hobby based or whatever sure. else, but it's. Uh, I think with me, it kind of keeps makes it so that it's not the same repetitive stuff and mm-hmm. keeps me kind of in line to say, all right, well, maybe I should look into this or try that or or whatever else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it kind of brings it back more to the experiment. So sure. 
with a blog or whatever else, it's like, all right, well, now I got to think of something that I want to say. And especially it kind of helps with the experimenting with the food truck idea, um, because honestly, barbecue was not really I I didn't really necessarily start or thought that I would do barbecue, Mm. but it's it all kind of fell into place with uh, some catering jobs that I had going on. A couple people that I was working with. Um, we had a smoker on a trailer and Mm. then, uh, a friend of mine was out West and he moved back and then we started doing some barbecue stuff together. He was making barbecue sauce out in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, that's like the, uh, the 81080 barbecue sauce? Yeah. Yeah. So I see you talk about that on the website a lot and it seems like you've had a lot of connection to that. Yeah. So Tim, uh, just to try to condense this down, we'll get it. We can get into this another time. Sure. Sure. But, uh, yeah. So Tim and I graduated high school together. Um, he moved out west. To make a long story short, uh, he met this kid Eric out there, and mm. they started making barbecue sauce and like doing little smokeouts for friends, you know, sure, campfires, yeah. um, doing little chicken barbecues, mm. whatever. Just, just, just to hang out and have a yeah, drink yeah. or whatever. Um, turns out that Tim and Eric share the same birthday, eight ten eighty. So they actually yeah. created a brand was, out of it. I was gonna ask you about that. Good. Yeah. So, so now um, fast forward, Eric's still out west. Um, haven't I haven't talked to him in a while, but I know Tim and him and some of their other f- mutual friends from out there or whatever are in a big fantasy football league. Most of them are actually around from around this area. Sure but that so I know Tim and Eric talk a lot more than I and Eric do. I haven't yeah, talked yeah, to him in sure. a while, but uh, but it was kind of uh, you know it was a cool concept and I I thought it was great and yeah. and now Tim is back in the area. Um, Essentially, when I started Rick's Roaming Barbecue, uh, it was it was Tim and I, yeah, and uh, it was our concept to do it, and it was like say my my t shirts have Rick's Roaming BBQ logo on the front, and then it's got ETE eight ten eighties logo on the sleeve. I was actually I was curious so, about that. I was actually yeah, glad yeah, we brought that up because some people yeah. don't know what that yeah. is or whatever, and and that's actually what it is. And awesome. like our business cards, uh, it has me on one side, and then on the flip side, it has his uh, a picture of his barbecue sauce mm. bottle and in him so we kind of co-market each other um, like he does know. some stuff and then he's uh he sells barbecue sauce at a couple stores out like vvs oneida way yeah, yeah. um and uh yeah so he actually he goes to nelson farms and which is in morrisville and actually mm. bottles and produces the barbecue nice. sauce and mm. gets like i say he's got it into like a couple small farmer stores type things or whatever nice. little shops like that so uh so yeah that's cool that um he i want to say yeah he really went ahead with it when when he came back to the area and we started this whole concept or whatever so yeah so um at that point it's like all right well the whole barbecue thing makes sense to me and we ended up getting another smoker on a trailer so we started doing some stuff with that and then at that point it's like all right well I guess I'm a barbecue guy now <laughs> or something, but, but uh, you, you're talking about Italian stuff and all that. I really love that. And I love, like, I like to go and, and make a sauce or a soup and, and enjoy doing stuff like that. There was definitely a time in New York when me and my buddy really, really wanted to open like Pelletary Joe's in New York and like just yeah. d- steal that concept. Like we're yeah. just going to do fried meatballs mm-hmm. and long hots and that's it right just like probably like pretty like real basic and then like the reality of like what it would cost to like set that up so yeah, we're like, yeah. yeah we're not we're not doing that down here yeah uh brick uh i want to get to these lightning round questions i can definitely tell that we could have gone for another hour so i'm definitely gonna have to get yeah. you back on yeah, sooner yeah. than later 
But again, sure. folks, RicksRomanBarbecue.com. He's on Facebook, Instagram. He is on Twitter, theoretically. Uh, RedRoomVideo.com. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right. Uh, are you ready for some lightning round questions before we head out? Uh, I, I guess. I don't know what to I expect. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time. Mayshag? Right. Mayshag, yep. So, Rick Mayshag of Rick's Roaming Barbecue of Red Room Productions, Silver City Studios, Renaissance Man. He does it all. Try to. <laughs> Rick, it, you... it just keeps me sane that way, I guess. <laughs> it keeps it moving. Yeah. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, Rick, how do you take your coffee? I generally don't drink coffee. No coffee? No. No caffeine in the morning? No, which is crazy because... I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I, that's what a lot of people say. So <laughs> I try to sleep in, I think. When Fair. I that's a good point. Work at night and sleep in during the day if I can. <laughs> what was your first automobile? It was a 1980 Chevy Malibu Classic. Yes! With the V8 305 four-door rear-wheel drive. I can't tell you how many times I had it in the ditch. You know? Yeah, I wish I had that car still, but it is what it is. Uh, you may or may not have taken your 1980 Chevy Malibu to see it. What was your first live music event? Um, it's tough to, to say what my first one was, but back in those... Growing up or whatever in, in high school and all that, I, I was kind of more into the to the metal scene, I guess you would metal, say. Nice. And I can remember one of my first shows um, that I went to that I that really stands out to me was Typo Negative opening for mm. Pantera. Wow, Pantera! Odd. Heck yeah! <laughs> yeah, and the crazy thing is, is now that Pete Steele, the singer from Typo Negative, he's yeah. gone. Yeah. So that band doesn't exist. And now the two brothers from Pantera are both gone, so they don't exist. I'm not even necessarily a big metal guy, but I right. was in a car a few days ago with uh, my good friend of the podcast, Chris Mandry, and he was. Oh playing, yeah, Mandry, he yeah. loves that stuff. He was playing Pantera in the car. I was yeah, like, Pantera is all right. <laughs> actually, yeah. So I don't really listen to that stuff like I used to, but yeah. once in a great while, I'll put it on and just yeah. kind of relive that. I, I think a little bit, but hmm. so um, for a long time, I just didn't really get out and do random things. But yeah. now I've been. I guess being self-employed and doing what you do, you kind of, you, you learn that your time is yeah. more valuable than you think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, when you're Especially doing... Especially if everyone wants a piece of your time, then all right. of a sudden it's so like... So, yeah. when you're doing the same stuff every day and the same job every day, you kind of, I don't know, you, you kind of get go home at night and do the same thing day after day after day, and it gets repetitive. You know, like Al Bunny on Married with Children or whatever, <sighs> like that sort of lifestyle. And then, Good but reference. now, <laughs> right, right. So now when you're doing your own thing, you're like, all right, well, even on a day off, I still have something to do. And you're adjusting your friends. It's also yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, it's never ending. But then it's like, all right, for me to stay sane, I kind of just got to shut down in and either maybe stay in bed all day or something, but that never happens. <laughs> but but ultimately, the best thing to do is just jump in the car and get out of town. Or, oh, or yeah. you know, I, actually speaking, New York City, I love going down there. I haven't been down there in a while, but I generally try to go down at least twice a year. Now that I don't live there, I really appreciate when I go down more. Yeah. However, after about four days, I'm usually like, okay, I gotta get yeah, out of Yeah, yeah. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Um, so I don't really watch a lot of TV, mm -hmm. but uh, one show that I actually do like is uh, The Blacklist with James Spader. Blacklist. I'm a big Spader yeah. guy, so All I can right. get a lot yeah, of mileage yeah. out of that. Yeah, I, I enjoy that. I, I think, I mean, thinking about it from a screen perspective, creative, writing, whatever, mm -hmm. 
there's always certain elements to the show that you think, hmm. well, if I was writing it, maybe I would have done this or sure. or you know, there's so many questions in a show like that that's mm. all right. It's good that it's still going because they could end it here, but what about, you know, stuff that went on in season one that they didn't answer ever and so you know so from when you look at it from a writing standpoint it's like all right well i th- i think i i feel like i'm, I'm a different sort of fan yeah, yeah. i guess I if, you. if you can say that i think so. about that a lot with well i'm a big professional wrestling guy and about 90 percent of professional wrestling is complaining about what they've chosen to do and saying well that's not how you should have done you should have done it this way right Otherwise, well yeah. the thing is with pro wrestling per se like wwe or whatever yeah. it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot to do with the writing and behind the scenes yeah but it's and funny that it's, it's a television show though you wouldn't a lot of people right. don't a lot of people don't watch like this is us and go why would they write it that way they just they just go wow that's how the show goes right? yeah that's wrestling it. for some reason people get really angry about the way they choose to write this television show yeah which you're gonna write regardless whether you'd like it or not and it's right? so funny because they'll take a character per se yeah. you call him a character it's actually a professional wrestler that's something that i could never do but anyways one week they're best friends with everybody and the and, and the fans love them and then the next week they turn their back on somebody and everybody hates them I thought and that's this. freaking dramatic writing right there i thought about this a lot i watched a really good uh, video on youtube about this not too long ago and it was Okay, so think about like Hulk Hogan, for example, yeah. right? And don't think about him because he's a scumbag, but I mean like the concept of Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. Hulk Hogan is a character that people all across the world know. Yeah. But he's played by one guy. Yeah. Who's played this one character His for what, life. 45? Yeah. It's not like George Clooney is Daniel Ocean every second of every day. Exactly. I mean, when you're a wrestler, this sort of character you play becomes your whole life. Right, like that's interesting to think you know, about. Yeah. Terry Bollea is just a guy, but he happens to be Hulk Hogan, and he's been Hulk Hogan for forty-five years, and people yeah. assume he's Hulk Hogan, like that's right. his name, but that's right, not right, his name. Right. He's just an actor. Right, it's so weird. Interesting, but yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, I want to get to these last two questions because we've already blown past an hour, which is very impressive. I give you credit on that. Uh, if you could have dinner with any one person, living or dead, who is not your relative, would it be, and why? Well. I don't know. I didn't really, uh, I don't know. There's so many, I, I mean, I think that for me, I look at it, so I'm, I'm almost, I'm what, 30, 38, and I, some of my inspirations, I guess, in music and creativity mm-hmm. and in food or whatever else, um, a lot of these guys, and, and they'll tell you, you know, fail, you, you got to fail to succeed sure. or whatever else. Sure. But a lot of these guys that, that you're looking at now on, on some of these shows or whatever and musicians or whatever else, like I'm a big fan of Nine Inch Nails, like Trent Reznor, oh, Tool, yeah. Maynard Keenan, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Gordon Ramsay, uh, you know, all these guys. They're all kind of around the same age. Mm. I want to say they're sure. they're in their 50s or whatever. Yeah, and so I'm like, all right. Or, or even like David Lynch is much older. But, you know, it gives me this the thought to say all right these guys were doing awesome stuff when they were our age mm. but they're i feel like they're really at their potential now in their 50s they never seem to stop learning right, right. Like a lot of people get to a point in time where they're like i know enough this is it i'm good right yeah whereas like somebody like a, a trent reznor or a or a, i would say you know david lynch or even like yeah. so i think about bourdain all the time yeah it's sort of like constantly kind of reinvent yourself a little bit yeah Keep yourself out there because otherwise you just stagnate and stagnation is death right for a creative type you know what i mean right. you gotta push the envelope a little bit yeah and i generally feel like if you are 
super comfortable doing something, you've made a mistake. You're not trying hard. Enough. Right, if right. You need to be a little tiny bit uncomfortable when you're yeah. doing it or else there's not there's no chance. And I think some, some things, especially with the food truck and all that, you yeah. just kind of – and it goes along with the sense of just jumping in the car and driving away for a day or whatever else. You kind of just got to – be able to step back and reflect and and so what i what i tell people when they're first starting or, or talking about starting a concept i of a food truck i tell them my my some of my best advice for you right off the bat would be you want to have like the best day you could ever have hit a home run and make a ton of money and then almost simultaneously the next day or whatever have about the worst day maybe sell zero and then go back and really analyze you know what happened um, how do I set it up or, you know, what, you know, what worked, what didn't work or why. And a lot of it really just comes through the experience of doing it. And I mean, there's, there's things that I look back and, um, some of the events that I've done or whatever else. And I think, you know, I, I have no idea sometimes how I even made it through them, but luckily knock on wood. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. So I like how you knock in this clearly plywood table. table. Like, yeah, yeah, it's wood, right? Like, yeah, it's close uh, enough. Rick, I want to thank you so much for coming <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, I I probably should have had on a long time ago. Thanks for putting up with Justin at all our maiden Utica events. <laughs> you guys go way back. Well, yeah, so Justin and I worked together, and I was with him. I remember the day he bought the domain for Maiden Utica. and I mean, we used to uh, carpool the shoots together and stuff like that, and <laughs> Yeah, and he has I know no car, the carless man. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So well, we would just kind of spitball ideas, and I know him and Jill were were riding together on yeah. a lot of things too, and they would spitball ideas. And mm-hmm. so I feel like a lot of Justin's concepts, you know, back then it, it was intriguing, and now to see where, what it's become, and this whole, you know, when when Katie and Justin approached me about the Handshake City concept, it's like, you know, uh-huh. I, it's awesome. And and you know, somebody like Justin, and I think. Myself and I think all of us actually, the whole group, I could say, as much as I might not be as, as everyone, around as much as you guys are. Everyone but, who's involved in making this work is part of Made in Utica, in my opinion. That's so, just my thought. I mean, for well, for one quick thing, uh, I don't know, I don't remember if you went to the meeting at Bite that we had. I was working that night. Okay, yeah, so yeah. to walk in there, and I'm a guy with a food truck or whatever, and I, you know, but just the for the dozen or so people that were there. Just to actually go around the table in, I don't know, these people or whatever else, but just to hear that, all right, this guy's an architect or this guy's a planner or whatever else. It's like they have this group of everything that they need, Hmm. and all these resources are behind this project. So they're obviously doing something right. It's such a – I think – and the funny part is, and uh, I don't want to get too far into this, a lot of it comes from, like, deep cynicism. We get tired of like the sort of negative bullshit you hear about yeah. all these, you know, you go back right. to every single event that we've done over the years. The Do It for Utica event that came from an article called "Do It for Utica," which was like a right, negative right. Utica article. We're like, right now, we're taking this back. Right, Handshake City. A lot of people didn't like that title because they're like, oh, yeah. but like, no, right. If you can take this stuff back and make it something else, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I think it all came out right in the wash, and the more we try, that sort of like doing things against the grain of being like, oh, you don't think we can do it this way? We're going to do it this way. I, I think that, and that sort of helps to get things going. That's been the mentality, yeah. I want to say. And just, I mean, I like to, I guess now too, in just just looking at it from a bigger picture perspective yeah. and thinking, all right, well, what could we do with this concept in, over the next five years and, and where can it go? And, uh, you know. It's very exciting. So yeah. to me, it's like, all right, this is just the beginning and 
luckily we have enough like-minded people that are involved in these brainstorming these random things and you know and and then just having an outlet to to be able to just to try something or or do it and then obviously having people show up so it's been a nice bonus yeah 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 <laughs> it makes it worthwhile yeah so much for coming in here today yeah. i really appreciate you giving me some time uh folks again check them out ricksroamingbarbecue.com uh i've listed the websites a million times during the interview yeah. i'll post them somewhere else again thanks for taking the time today we'll be back to the show folks in just a moment Roaming barbecue yesterday. Alone what did you have? I had the pulled pork burrito. Was it good? It was amazing. Yeah. What else is in the pulled pork burrito? Uh, I... There's peppers and cheese, and then you can add whatever barbecue sauce mm. he has. Yes. It was awesome. Mm. I was sitting all alone at a picnic table, happy as Does he mess around with throwing like rice and stuff in there? Or no. is it just nice? Nice. Mm. nice. Yeah, it's so yummy. Get it. See, Get he, he made some, I don't even know what it was, but when we were opening up like Handshake City, like the first couple weeks, he showed up one day and was just like throwing sandwiches out to people, mm. and it was. Mm-hmm. Banging. I don't yeah. know what it was. Well, he does. One of the nice things about his truck is when he, the, the bread he uses, it's like an actual slice yeah. of bread. And yeah. He hits yeah. it like grilled mm-hmm. cheese style kind yeah. of, so both sides are toasted. Yeah, it's good Instead stuff. of just like throwing it on some sad bun and being like, hey, here you go, figure it out. Cold bun, hot pork. <laughs> Cold bun, hot pork. My Cold bun, hot pork. <laughs> My son knows him as the macaroni and cheese truck. Yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, mommy, I want macaroni and cheese. Mac and cheese, always a crowd pleaser. Good. Always a good crowd stuff. pleaser. So thank you to Rick for coming to talk to us today. Uh, I have some, these wild history lessons this week. What a strange... Wild. Strange. That's, that's why Heather got so sick last week. She was like, oh, I was so done. I next had... segment, history lessons are coming. I better go like, home. I'll be right back. Lock myself in the bathroom. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. History lessons this week. They're going way go. back. This one goes to 1701. Oh. On this day, 1701, Yale University is founded. Yale University, the American private Ivy League institution, uh, sorry, university in New Haven, Connecticut, Founded in 1701, it is the third oldest institution of higher education in the United States. Still a pretty good school. Still pretty good? Pretty good school. One of nine <laughs> colonial colleges that were chartered before the American Revolution. There's only nine. You know what's crazy is uh, I think Oxford over in England has been around since, like, I want to say, like the 1500s or something insane. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Hmm. Uh, chartered by the Connecticut Colony, the Collegiate School was established by clergy to educate congressional ministers. Uh, moved to New Haven in 1716, and shortly after was renamed Yale in recognition of a gift from British for the East British India Company Governor uh, Elithu Yale. So there you go. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Uh, it was restricted to theology and sacred languages uh, until after until the 19th century, when it introduced uh, graduate and professional instruction and awarding the first Ph.D. in the United States in 1861. So there you go. A couple uh, famous, there's a lot of famous people who've gone to Yale. So like Tons. Tons and tons and tons. Tons, tons. Uh, Presidents specifically, William Howard Taft, Gerald Ford, uh, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush. Uh, there are four current uh, Supreme Court justice members who went to mm-hmm. Yale. Yale's where all them Skull and Bones boys are. Yeah. They got the Skull and Bones Society. 
Um, also, authors, uh, Sinclair Lewis, Thomas Wolfe. This is a weird one to me. A lot of actors. You wouldn't think of Yale necessarily as a place where actors go. Sure you would, because a lot of actors make it to acting because they come from really, like, kind of privileged backgrounds anyway. Mm. So they just get sent to these schools, you know what I mean? Like, you look at, you know, a lot of different people, they come up, like, from these families or from wherever where they have the influence to get them in and put them in there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jodie Foster, Paul Newman, Henry Winkler, Vincent Price, Meryl Streep, Sigourney Weaver, Angela Bassett, Claire Danes, Edward Norton, Lupita Nyong'o, Oliver Stone, Brian Dennehy, and Sam Waterston, to name a few, including one fictional Yale alumni from The Simpsons, C. Montgomery Burns. He's a Yale man. So Skull and Bones, Skull man. and Bones, baby. All right, so that, one, that was easy enough, right? That wasn't that so... That was exciting. Offensive. Yeah, it was really riveting. It just... <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Breathless. You said it was going to be exciting. Uh, On this day, uh, 1857, uh, 1857, abolitionist John Brown led a small group on a raid against a federal uh, armory in Harper's Ferry, Virginia, uh, in an attempt to start an armed slave revolt and destroy the institution of slavery. Uh, In 1837, John Brown had his life irrevocably changed when he attended an abolitionist meeting in Cleveland, during which he was so moved that he publicly announced his dedication to destroying the institution of slavery. After spending time in Kansas, he returned to the East in 1857 and began raising money to carry out his vision of a mass uprising of slaves. On the night of October 16th, 1859, Brown and his band overran an arsenal at Harper's Ferry, uh... Rounded up a handful of hostages, including a few slaves. Uh, word of the raid spread, and by the morning, Brown and his men were surrounded. Uh, this lasted for three days. Ten of his men were killed, including two of his sons. Uh, it's a really... John Brown is one of my... John Brown, one of the early, all-time American badass lunatics. Oh, my God. It's insane. Absolute He's such a crazy badass. guy. Look up a picture. There's, like, one picture of him, I think, that exists. But you look it up on Google, and you'll see. This is a wild man. Uh, he w- The 59-year-old abolitionist went to the gallows on December 2nd, 1859. Before his execution, he handed his guard a slip of paper that that, that read, quote, I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away but with blood, unquote. What a badass quote. And it was prophetic because... I like the fact, too, that he didn't say it, but he wrote it on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and then looked the man in the eye while this man's reading the piece of paper. He looks back up and he's like, yeah, that's right. There is <laughs> that's a right. there is a picture of John Brown in the Smithsonian uh, Portrait Gallery, which if you ever go to Ooh, Washington, D.C. I didn't know that was a thing. That sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, and the Smithsonian Art Museum in Washington, D.C. has just a portrait gallery, which is just an entire massive floor of every, like... Um, important figure from American history, right? And mm-hmm. the John Brown one is stirring. It's horrifying to look at. He really does look like an absolute like scary, dude. scary, scary dude. Fascinating guy, John Brown. Uh, I only put this one on because it ties into something I'm doing at school. 1913, playwright Arthur Miller is born. Arthur Miller mm-hmm. was an American playwright, essayist, and a major figure in 20th century American theater. His most popular plays were All My Sons, Death of the Salesman, The Crucible, uh, View from a Bridge. I didn't realize that he was The Crucible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're reading something. that in school, I learned like... something from history lessons today. There you go. Good job. This is amazing. Had, had to write that down. Had to write that down. Miller was often nice. in the public eye, particularly during the late 40s, 50s, and early 60s. During this time, he was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. He testified before the House Un-American Ath- uh, Activities Committee, and mm-hmm. he married Marilyn Monroe. So, uh, you know, he's very... He has so many things, like, after him. There's only one theater, actually, in the world named after him, though. His alma mater at the University of Michigan opened the Arthur Miller Theater. 
It was his express wish when he died that only one theater in the world bear his name, the one at Michigan. So he, there's not even a theater allowed to be called. A baller move. Yeah. That's a, that's a power move. Yeah. Because of it, however, this is pretty wild, there is a minor planet, minor planet 3769, that is named, one word, Arthur Miller, after him, which is about as cool as it gets. So there you go. We're reading The Crucible in this class that I'm doing student teaching for right now. I gotta tell you, I still don't like it. Years later, it's really, mm, I, I yeah. can't get into it. It just made me want to watch the movie The Witch again. Mm. Like, because that movie actually has witches I had in fun it. with The Crucible when we read it in high school, but we had, that year that we read it, we had an English teacher who was really, really great about giving everybody in the class, like, parts. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, like, act it out or do the play, but you were definitely, like, encouraged to, if you're, you know, this one part, to read ahead and know what you're doing and present it a certain way and everything, and it really kind of made it come alive. But that, like... I mean, any kind of witchcraft, like New England, early Puritan Pilgrim stuff is kind of up my alley anyway, so I enjoyed The Crucible. And like I said, I had no idea that was Arthur Miller. Shout out to my dude in The Crucible, Giles Corey. Weren't you in Death of a Salesman in school? No. Weren't you? I thought you would play... Uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying is a musical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, uh, Arthur, uh, if you go to The Crucible, though, Giles Corey, the guy who gets crushed to death with rocks because he refuses to, to uh, to admit that he's a witch even though he's not, power move. Giles Corey, it's my guy. All right, moving on. This is not really a history lesson, more it is a sad fact. On this day, 2006, the United States population reaches 300 million people. Uh, U.S. Census uh, suggests that the U.S. gains one person every 11 seconds, Mm -hmm. but it is not possible to say if that 300 million Americans was a newborn or crossed over one of the borders, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't know who it was. As of today... There are 327 million people. So if you go from the last 12 years, we added 27 million. Which is not like which is like not even that much when you look heavy. at many other countries. Mm. You know, like for how many people are actually in there. There's a billion people in China. I think there's a billion yeah. people in I India. People I saw... I'm sorry. No, I go ahead. I keep going. I cut you off. Go. Wow. 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 Uh, such <laughs> kindness. No, but so I saw a graphic one time. It was a picture of the entire world map, and they've got a circle drawn... Around like uh, India, Indonesia, Vietnam, China, bottom mm-hmm. of China, Japan, and it's a really small circle on the map. And the fact that they presented with the map is there's more people who live inside mm. this little small South Pacific circle than there is in all the rest of the map. And it really kind of put into context into just how many people you've got. I mean, mm. all those huge cities like Mumbai and Jakarta and all these other places, you know, in the like mm. South Pacific, including China and India and stuff. It's a we have, if you've never been, and I haven't, so what do I know? But if you, the, the context, like we have no context or corollary to it here in America. There's nothing quite like no. it. It's really crazy to think about. Hmm. Uh, yeah, man, that's one of my scariest, like, if, if I, I'm not like a conspiracy theory guy per se, but I do get nerved out. Like, the, there's a lot of people in. Ooh. There's a book that you should read that I'm not going to sign in the air because you're going to have some pushback, but we're going to talk about it. But sure. There's, there's a book you should read. All right, good. I'm going to have it. All right, and uh, this one again, not so much of a history lesson. Uh, last year on this day was the day that Alyssa Milano like tweeted on uh, tweeted the Me Too hashtag mm-hmm. for the first time. Well, not for the first time. We'll get into that in a minute. But it was the first time it really broke into the mainstream. Um, she tweeted that phrase at noon on October 5th, 2017, and it had been used more than 200,000 times by the end of the day and more than 500,000 times by October 16th. Um on Facebook, the hashtag was used by more than 4.7 million people uh, within the first 24 hours. Platform reported that 45% of users in the United States had a friend who had posted using the term. Uh, Milano actually credited the uh, phrase to uh, 
Tarana Burke is the name, uh, who a social activist and community organizer who had been using the phrase in 2006. Mm. The only reason I bring, I don't have any context, just it's interesting. It feels like this has been such a conversation for so long. It seems weird that it's only been a year yeah. now in hindsight. Like it yeah. doesn't. Time is ultimately speeding up and slowing down as the universe contracts into its inevitable heat death. But I'm glad it's, keep, it's kept going. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad you know, it has. For too. sure. It's a huge thing. It was funny, too, because I think a year ago, people, you I don't know if people would have thought we'd still be talking no. about it a year from now, and I guess, again, much like the thing we talked about in the in the beginning, the, the journalist there, yep. it's good that these stories are sticking around longer. It's, inter- it's interesting, and it's, I suppose, a little bit of a veer off, but it's interesting how, in today's day and age, something like, I mean, you're talking about a simple, you know, two words, five letters, hashtag that somebody put together, that's grown to encompass this whole giant section of conversation and topic mm-hmm. and everything and it's really interesting to see how stuff like that happens yeah. in a hashtag culture like now to see how just those two you know the two simple words me too have come to be applicable and be used as sort of a figurehead and a, a bookmark for such a wide yes, variety of conversations all across the yeah. society and it's just from like a, a sociological and like linguistic perspective it's just really interesting to see how that works and see how some stuff just catches like that and the hook okay. just works and you know, it's crazy. Well, it's something we talk about a lot in the education mm-hmm. field is, like, defining what literacy is. Because mm-hmm. I, I've said this argument all the time. Like, if you are asking a kid to, like, pick up a textbook and sit down and read it front to back and learn something, and it's like, that's literacy, it's not really all you define. Literacy is a lot of things now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just as black and white as, like, can you read this book? Mm-hmm. Like, to be literate and to understand how, like how we communicate in the world now and how to use social media and how to like yeah. research things and how to use things yeah, to your yeah. advantage. That's a whole new skill. That's like digital literacy and that's something that's not, not everyone is totally there yet because we're not teaching it necessarily because even the teachers and the curriculum doesn't understand mm. how to totally build this into the program yet. That's that's the future of teaching, honestly, is getting people to understand the information and the power they have at their own hand and how to facilitate it in their own way. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent. No, no you're good. good. We're here for tangents. Yeah, I like tangents. All right. We're here for tangents. So, you guys want to knock through a couple quick things before we leave? Uh, I just want to talk. Do you guys see Utica College and Seth Meyers been getting a lot of, like, play? Because Seth Meyers wore a Utica College hoodie during like a podcast. Oh, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like a... You just wonder how that found its way to him. Yeah. Well, they did. We figured it out. It Apparently, uh, someone on the late night staff has a kid who goes to Utica College. Oh, cool. Right? So, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. They blew the kid's name up in the article on the OD, and I was like, why'd you do that? Don't do that. That's kind of crummy. Uh, Apparently, though, Myers wears the sweatshirt often. So, Seth Myers, you want to come on? Nice colorway. Yo, Seth Myers, if you ever want to come on the podcast and debate Claudia Tenney live, yo, you can't because it's going to be me. Call me, (laughs) Claudia. Uh, So, yeah, shout out to Seth Myers. For rocking the UC colors. I do like the UC hoodies and stuff. They have good mm-hmm. branding, I feel like. You used to see... I feel like you saw a lot of, like, Syracuse and Utica stuff in, like, movies growing up. Did you? I feel like I, I like saw... Syracuse. Syracuse you see a lot of all over Syracuse, the place. yeah. You see a little more Syracuse anyway as a whole, I think. No, I think Utica's actually a pretty famous, unfamous city. Like, most people know what you're talking about if you say Utica. We get referenced on, like, weird stuff, like The Office the and Simpsons. And you, I think the Office. Simpsons goes everywhere. Well, Sim- yeah, Simpsons talks a lot about Utica. There's a lot of Utica in Stephen King books, certainly. Stephen King. Um, there's Utica Club in Stephen King books, and mm-hmm. there was Utica Club bottles in some Swayze movie. Maybe it was Dirty Dancing. I Roadhouse. Think. That, too, maybe. I, I don't know. They're out there. Uh, I'm just saying, I feel like, for the most part, Utica's 
for a city that is like known to be kind of a, a punching bag sometimes, I feel like we're pretty well known. Most people know what I'm talking about you when they say what? Utica. Here's, here's what I say. You want to call Utica a punching bag? We welcome you to take your best swing, but we will still be standing because that's who we are. True story. True story. Heather, write that down. I did. That's going to be I part of my did. campaign slogan another 8 to 12 years. Uh, <laughs> so, it. have you guys read the story about the emotional support squirrel that got loose on the airplane? A customer said that they were they needed this emotional support animal. Turned out to be a squirrel. Cleveland-bound flight gets delayed on it. This has been leading to a crackdown on the emotional support. Gotta draw support. some lines. Gotta draw some lines. <laughs> gotta draw some and lines. I gotta be honest, I know people who have taken advantage of this program with just dogs. Like dogs. People who are like, yeah. Dogs, you should, you should be allowed in a modern... This is a society. Yeah. I don't know if you heard me say that in the first segment. It's true. But since we live in a society, you should be allowed to bring your dog anywhere. As long as your dog is well-trained <laughs> yes. and you're able to handle that dog and he's not a problem... Dogs should be allowed to go anywhere. Dogs on the plane it makes a flight lovely. You should have an in-flight German Golden Retriever mascot. No cats on squirrel, planes. No cats and no. no squirrels. Cats will crash the plane to the ground just to prove a point. It's a great point. Because they're so miserable. <laughs> very I fair. No, they're not miserable. They just know. Yeah. It's true. Like, we uh, used to be gods when the Egyptians were here. Yeah, like, I... What <laughs> did they have? Remember that. What was the one earlier? The peacocks? Yeah, peacocks. Oh, we talked about peacock. that before. Come on, get out of here with that. I'm 50-50 con- I'm convinced that that was Aaron Higgins. Got it. With an emotional support peacock. <laughs> Shout out to Aaron Higgins. Uh, sad news coming out today. Uh, the mo- Unpredictably, Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande broke up, oh, finally. So and sad. I know, I know. They were the, the internet's favorite couple for a month and a half. Were they? Seemed like you gotta stop. Work, you gotta stop working with these teens. Yeah, because I know. We're <laughs> seeing all a couple. Let's stop working with these teens. I just, I, I feel like this was a, like everything I'd read about this Ariana Grande, Pete Davidson thing. It's like this seems like it's a wildfire. It's like now they're married. And now very, yeah. People in their early twenties who are millionaires and take drugs have erratic behavior. Erratic behavior. We broke wild. some ground here. <laughs> we broke some ground here with this reporting. <laughs> Great reporting. Who could have known? Who would have known? <laughs> Uh, I thought I, those two crazy kids were going to make it me forever. Too. I, I was too. hoping. I was hoping for them, you know. Hey, you know what? Maybe They the say future. there's still hope. Still hope. There's, there's always hope. There's still hope, they say. So. All right, and I just got a shout-out. This is the last story of the day. Uh, Kev, you got places to be as well. I got I've got. i also got some concerns after your last story. We're good. I got some things. Oh, concerns. Right. We're good. Do your thing. Uh, okay. I want to talk about uh, Lee Merkel. Do you guys know who Lee Merkel is? Uh, I didn't know that was his name, but I do. Okay. I do. Mm-hmm. The older gentleman who, if you're a person of a certain age, which is mine, yep. or around there, who grew up in South Utica, uh, lurking through the neighborhood, being like bad kids but not that bad, uh, you went to Hess a lot on South Genesee Street. You always Hess went to Hess because you could walk in. It was in between the two or three major neighborhoods. It was a nice mm-hmm. middle spot. And Lee was the old man who would only let us come in one at a time because he was afraid we were going to steal like gummy worms. And he <laughs> called everybody Bo. Yep, and he worked Bo. there every day, all day for had to be 15 years. Uh, Lee Merkel uh, delivered a parting shot to his long believers. Lee Merkel's dead. Yeah, he passed away he passed on October away. 7th at the age of 83. So uh, thoughts to his family. Again, Lee was a good guy. I knew him only casually, but always liked him. Good dude. Uh he was a long-suffering Buffalo Bills fan. He delivered a parting shot to his beleaguered squad, requesting... In his obituary. Uh, in his obituary, that six players from the Buffalo Bills serve as his pallbearers so they could, oh. quote, let him down 
one last time. Oh. Unquote. <laughs> Burned him. Okay. Sold him from beyond the grave. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, the Bills, of course, are one of 13 NFL teams who've never won a Super Bowl. They lost four consecutive Super Bowls from 91-94, uh, which is right in the prime area for when Lee would have been watching it as a guy who's in his 80s. Like I feel like he suffered through a lot of those Bills, oh, yeah. Bills oh, yeah. losses. Probably saw them all. Uh, again, Lee, you go get them, Bo. We appreciate it. Hey. Uh, all right, that's it. That's our show for the week. I want to thank uh, uh, Rick Mashag. Is that Rick Mashag? Right I, said, I, I, I said it right a million times in the interview, and I had it written down. So, sorry, i got Rick. two things. We'll take six minutes. Oh, do your thing. Uh, real quick, we should talk about it because we had a good time. And for context, uh, you and I, on Friday, with a group of people, went out to Syracuse <laughs> to forgot. see WWE Live Wrestling. We did go see WWE Live Wrestling. It's a house show, wrestling. not televised, just a live wrestling show. Um, and we had a blast. Yeah, a and I, I always forget, because I've only been to like one live show since I've been watching as like an adult, I always forget how family-friendly it is. Oh, yeah. And you go and you watch it and you really realize that you could bring just about anybody out there and they would have a good time. Mm-hmm. They get rid of all the storyline stuff, all the everything, and they really just like have a little bit more fun They're with it. It's crazy the how many kids there were. Yeah. They do a great job with it. So if you get an opportunity, it's not that expensive. Even if you don't think you would like it, I think you would. It was fun. I think you would. We had a really nice time. Highlight of the night for me was, uh, in front of me was a big, drunk, uh, like, wrestling older fan. And then in front of him... It wasn't me. It wasn't you. (laughs) Uh, And then in front of that guy was a totally in-on-the-story, like, 10-year-old kid, 9-year-old, gotta-be 9-year-old kid. And there's a particular wrestler, you guys can look him up if you want. His name is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a very... Roman Reigns. He's very divisive. Uh, older wrestling fans like myself and Kevin and really people who him. are in on the joke don't really like him but little kids love yeah like a John Cena Hulk Hogan type the kids love it well you forget with all the little kids there how much the kids still buy into mm-hmm. the like they're not Good sitting guys, here talking guys. about like you know the choreography and the no, rehearsals okay. and this and that they're just all in mm. it's pretty wild um, and the secondary of that because I think it happened while we were at the wrestling show mm. I've got a question because I don't think we ever clarified it did the Uticas get chirped at on Twitter this week? What? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I think we were getting a little yeah. we were getting a little chirped. Oh, yeah. chirped when we you know what? I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna bring it up. Because I you want to bring it up? I'm the round I... segment. I don't know what happened. But... Okay, so I had posted uh, last week's episode with Marianne Buttonshine, mm-hmm. who again, look, I don't, I didn't ask could not, her. Could not be a nicer lady. And I got chirped at by. Can I name the Twitter? Profile? Oh my god! Yeah. Please do, please, please do. Buds for Bud, the better Utica downtown Twitter handle. Uh, they chirped at us, and again, I didn't talk about the downtown hospital in this interview, and I think that's what they were chirping. They about. were mad. They were like, "Oh, she was on there for an hour, but they didn't answer any of the same questions that we've had, oh, we've had answered a hundred times over the last year." Yeah. So she. So this was the tweet. They said, "Biggest project in Utica healthcare history: MV Health System concept called MVHS." Uh, downtown, but no mention an hour plus interview. We smell a rat. That was the quote. To which I replied, I like how familiar you are with the smell of rat. Which is, you know, I wouldn't have picked up the smell of rat. Uh, then they hit me with some other nonsense, uh, something along the lines of uh, three years of stupid. I, I just don't care. I looked at their. I, I swear Bro, to God. We, listen, here's the thing. On our podcast, we talk about things like pizza, and cheese, video games, <laughs> wrestling. We talk about wrestling. We We've talk about, about movies. We talk about like ridiculous historical facts. Like this is not the place. We're not bringing anybody who comes like, in here is not coming in for a hard hitting 
gotcha interview. And if that's what you, like, two or three sad folks down at No Hospital Downtown need to hear on this show, you're at the wrong place. So just don't listen. It is getting desperate. They're publicly laundering money under shell companies, like publicly on television. (laughs) Taking their own money and pretending that somebody else gave it to them to do what? To do nothing. (laughs) Show me the money. Let me see that money in the account if this is a real thing. What I'm getting at is this. I'm just going to throw a lot of points. Here's the thing. Whenever I get chirped at on Twitter by somebody, Mm -hmm. I got to be honest. If I see that it's about the hospital or about the anti-hospital, I immediately ignore it. I didn't even really read these tweets. No, I gotta be gosh. honest. I didn't plan on bringing it up until you brought it up. But yeah, so thanks for listening well, is the final, <laughs> I guess. Thanks for All listening. All I say, and I say it over and over, say what you will, do what you will, launder whatever money publicly you want to launder. Anything mm-hmm. that you're doing is fine. doesn't affect me. The second that shovel breaks ground, there is no room for anybody to say anything. Because once we're point. moving forward with it, we're moving forward. You're either on board or you're not on board, but it's no longer a decision to be had. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to try to beat this thing in the ground for the next 10 years after, I mean, I know you're angling to get your profile up so your payouts are higher for those sure. buildings you're not using but bought because you knew it was coming, Ooh. whatever. But all I'm saying is once the shovel hits the ground, it's time for you to get on board because Utica has a long history and tradition mm-hmm. of people who are naysayers for no reason. We don't need any more of it. And the younger generation who's doing the work that you pretend to do is not going to stand for it. They don't have to necessarily get on board, but That's they have all. to accept it. That's what yeah. you have accept to accept. I mean, they can feel strong and passionate about it all of they course, want. Of course, but, but if it's don't. happening, it's happening. Yeah. You know? I wonder this question. Let's say that the, if the hospital goes downtown and mm-hmm. it's, and it is a big success. Yeah. Will these people revert on their thoughts on it? No. But if it's a big failure, you'll, oh, hear, you'll hear about it forever. Anything right? that happens, if these people get caught, miss a yellow light and get an extra red on the way down to... Wherever they want to go, they're going to be like, well, see, see, I would, yeah, they're going to point at every little thing that happens, any delay, anything everywhere, yeah. So shout out to us on Twitter if you want to talk about, I don't know, cheese. Yeah, cheese, yeah. I I don't tweet, but I still get the notifications. If you got something to say to me, you know where to find me. Follow him on Twitter at it's underscore bad. Kevin Sullivan. Follow Heather at Heather Wazwin, Or just follow me at uh, SF Doom. You know what? Don't do any of those. Just follow the show at Uticast. Uh, follow us on uh, Twitter. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, taking over the web. All current and back episodes are on Uticast.com, maybeutica.com. Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives another wonderful week. We are getting close to election day, folks. Make sure to get out and vote November 6th. It's coming up. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, bye. Bye.